Shalom, brothers and sisters, and welcome to the Mormon Kabbalah Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be going over the journey that Lehi's sons make to Jerusalem to confront Laban and their attempt to obtain the plates of brass. Now, there's a lot of really, really good symbolism. As a recap here, as we know, we have four brothers. We have Laman and Lemuel, the two oldest, and they are the doubts inside of us. They are our wicked desires. And being male, they represent the desire to bestow. But you know that what they are trying to bestow, they do in order to receive. Then you have Nephi. Nephi is the righteous brother. Nephi represents the desire to know the mysteries of God inside of us. And then we have Sam, who is also a righteous desire. So we've got two wicked desires inside of us and two righteous desires inside of us. Nephi obviously being the greatest desire because the greatest desire is to know God, to know the mysteries of God. We know that Nephi is willing to do this. He said unto his father in 1 Nephi 1.35a RAV, 3-7-A OPV, and just a quick recap, OPV is the Community of Christ or RLDS edition of the Book of Mormon. OPV is the Brighamite or Utah Latter-day Saint, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, the Book of Mormon they use. These are the two most common Book of Mormons in use currently, so these are the two that I use in this podcast. So Nephi says, I will go and do the things which the Lord commanded. So Lehi is pleased, and it says, and I, Nephi, in verse 37, R.A.V., verse 9, O.P.V., and my brethren took our journey to the wilderness with our tents to go up to the land of Jerusalem. The way I read this, yeah, you can just say the brothers left, but I feel like Nephi is taking charge here. He's the desire to go and do the good thing. I imagine that Laman and Lemuel probably were excited about the idea of potentially going home, but they also probably murmured a bit. So they took their tents and they go up to the land of Jerusalem. They're going back to the place that's going to be destroyed. Now think about this. You're Nephi. You know that there's a promised land. You know that there's something good God wants you to move towards, even though it's the wilderness, even though it's the unknown. And yet you're being asked to go back to the land that's going to be destroyed. So that tells us something. There are going to be times when the Lord says, get away from this desire, get away from this thing, but you may have to revisit it to pull something good from it that the Lord has kept sacred. So we're going back to Jerusalem. We're going back to the land that will be destroyed. And the four desires consult with one another. 68A, RAV, 310, OPV, it came to pass that when we come to the land of Jerusalem, I and my brother did consult one with another. They go on to cast lots, and the lot falls upon Laman, which really makes sense. He's the oldest desire. There shouldn't have been a need to cast lots. Laman should have just taken the lead here. But Laman goes into the house, and he talks with Laban, and he asks Laban for the records engraved upon the plates of brass, And it's interesting here, it says, which contain the genealogy of my father. So he's asking for something that he obviously has 
a right to because the genealogy of Lehi is written on it. These are family records. But Laban is charged with holding them, and he doesn't want to let go. This is another unrighteous desire. Why? Is it the pride? Is it the prestige? Is it the responsibility, the sense of duty? He may see himself as being a righteous person or a righteous desire by refusing to give up that which he's been given charge of. But the Lord sent these four brothers, these four desires, to obtain these plates. And so if Laban was truly a man of God, then he would have felt the Spirit telling him to give the plates to Laman. But it goes beyond that. In 137 REV, 313A OPV, it says, Behold, it came to pass that Laban was angry and thrust him out from his presence, and he would not that he should have the records. And then in the next verses, he accuses him of being a thief. Behold, thou art a robber, and I will slay thee. Now, obviously, Laban being a man of power was scaring him off because Laman was able to escape and was not killed. If this guy really had guards and everything else, he would have just said, hey, kill this guy. But instead, he, he chases him away. This is what happens when we take a selfish, egotistical desire, a young one at that, and try to use it to sway another, older, wiser, egotistical desire. It, it doesn't work. This is what I mean when I say we can't rationalize away the bad things that we do or even the good things that we do. We have to do all things with that connection we have with the Holy Spirit. So now the brothers are exceedingly sorrowful. And 174 REV, 314B OPV. They're thinking about just going home. They were sent by a prophet of God on this mission, and they're going to give up. They're just going to leave. But then Nephi speaks up. Who is Nephi? That's that desire in us to know the mysteries of God. He is the only one that accepted this mission. So he says to them in 175 RAV 315 OPV, As the Lord liveth, and as we live, we will not go down into our Father in the wilderness until we have accomplished the thing which the Lord has commanded us. That's a bold declaration. He doesn't want to leave the familiar place to go back into the unknown, but where the unknown is where his father is, that righteous desire that is Lehi. He doesn't want to go back until they have accomplished the goal, which means that if the destruction truly is coming, they could be destroyed. And Nephi believes that that destruction is coming. So he's putting faith in God, not only that he will accomplish this task, not only that the brothers will accomplish this task, but that they will do it before Jerusalem is destroyed and before they are destroyed. There's a lot of faith here for those that don't believe it's really easy. They're just going and running an errand for their father. But for Nephi, who knows the destruction is coming and knows this has to happen, he doesn't know how it's going to happen, but he knows it must happen. And so he knows that there will be a way. Then Nephi comes up with a terrible idea. He says, let's go get all the things that we left behind, the land of our father's inheritance, the gold, the silver, and all manner of riches. So obviously Lehi was a wealthy individual. And knowing that 
Laban, that desire in us that is Laban, is rejecting the words of the prophets, Lehi, Isaiah, Ezekiel, etc. Let's trade these worldly goods for this precious spiritual thing. There is a very important lesson in this. And that lesson is that just because we have a righteous desire doesn't mean that every single time it's going to have a righteous idea. We pitted first Laman, a wicked desire, against Laban, another wicked desire. And as we know, two wrongs do not make a right. So now we're taking all of the precious things of the world that the Lord told us to reject, and we're attempting to give them to a wicked desire. Anybody that knows anything about human beings knows this is probably a terrible idea because it doesn't really matter how much money you have. These plates of brass are obviously a status symbol. They hold genealogies. They hold the scriptures. This was a time when not everybody could read and write. It's not like everybody had a Bible in their home. They would go to the synagogues and they would go to the temples and read them there because these were, these were sacred so they gather up all their worldly belongings, and they go up to the house of Laban in 186 REV 323 OPV. And when they get to Laban and they explain to them what they want, in exchange for all of these worldly things, Laban sees the property and how much it is, and how good it is in his eyes, in the eyes of the world. And he begins to lust after it. What's the 10th commandment? Thou shalt not covet. That's what he's doing right now. He, he might as well say he is committing adultery in his heart because he wants this property. Now he does say to the servants, kill these guys. I'm going to take their stuff. Now the Lord blesses them and they're able to flee from the servants of Laban, but they had to leave behind all these precious things. And so Laban obtains them. That's one 89 REV 326 OPV. Now, is this really a loss? No, because they had left it behind anyway. But from a worldly perspective, it is. And, and this is what can happen to us in the real world. We have two wicked desires. They can't convince themselves to do the right thing. Then you have a righteous desire who tries to feed into the egoism of the wicked desire to get it to do the right thing. And of course, the wicked desire is just going to find a wicked way of getting the thing that the righteous desire is offering. Laban may as well be Eve here eating of the apple, eating of the fruit of that tree, because he's taking two things now that don't belong to him. The Lord has given these plates of brass to Lehi, and Laban is refusing that. And on top of that, he's stealing all the things that Laban left behind. Now, to be fair, with Laban being some sort of patriarchal hierarchy in Lehi's family, maybe he would have absorbed that anyway. Regardless, the way he came about it was wrong. So now, Laman is angry not only with Lehi, but with Nephi also. And so is Lemuel. And the reason why is because in their minds, they have lost everything all they can see is the worldly desires, the worldly things. We've been through this. What have we had to give up coming to Christ? What have we had to give up from time to time to do the right thing? Maybe there's a promotion at work that we can't take. It would have given us the money that we needed because it was asking us to do something or do something at a time that the Spirit said, no, this isn't right. Only Nephi truly understands 
that doing the right thing for the right reasons are the real treasure because he's the one, he's the desire in us that is seeking after God. So when you walk away from that promotion, when you walk away from that relationship and you walk away from whatever it was that you thought was going to make you happy because the spirit said, no, that's you listening to Nephi. As we know, not all of our decisions end with happiness and joy. And we do at times beat ourselves up. And that's exactly what happens here. In chapter 1, verse 29, R.A.V. and 3, 28b, OPV, Laman and Lemuel did speak many harsh words unto Nephi and Sam, their younger brothers, and they did smite them even with a rod. But when we do the right thing, we have an opportunity to let the spirit come in and take over. And that's what happens here. An angel of the Lord comes and stands before them and speaks to them, saying, Why do ye smite your younger brother with a rod? Know ye not that the Lord has chosen him as a ruler over you, and this because of your iniquities. Go up to Jerusalem again, and the Lord will deliver Laban into your hands. That's RAV 193 through 95 and OPV 329. And of course, our layman and Lemuel inside us are going to murmur. The Holy Spirit's going to say, this is what you need to do. And they're going to say, how on earth is this going to happen? How is this even possible? Laban can slay all these men. Why not us? But that's where the Nephi in us takes over, takes charge saying, let us go up again to Jerusalem, and let's be faithful in keeping the commandments of Yavah. That's First Nephi 1, 99a in the RAV, and now we're in chapter 4, verse 1 in the OPV. And he reminds them of the various things in the scriptures. Let's remember the Moses inside of us. He spoke, and the Red Sea, the waters divided. All the wicked desires inside of us that were led by Pharaoh were drowned when the waters came back down. And an angel has come and spoken to us. And isn't that something that we do? When our doubts come in, we look back and say, yeah, but remember that time when that miraculous thing happened? When the Lord did take care of me? I I shouldn't doubt. So we got to listen to that Nephi and drag that Laman and Lemuel along with us back to Laban's And of course, those desires are still going to murmur, but they will come. 1103 RAV 44 OPV. Now, when I spoke in these words, Laman and Lemuel were yet wroth and did still continue to murmur. Nevertheless, they did follow me up until we came without the walls of Jerusalem. And at night, they hide themselves without the walls on the outside of the city. And we need to backtrack a bit. When when Sam and Nephi are being beaten, they were hiding in a cave. So we'll notice that they're going into the darkness. When we take our desires into the darkness of the cave, there is a light that comes in. And that's, we are separating the light from the darkness, right? The light is that spirit of God. It is that angel that comes to them and brings light into the darkness so that they can see that there's a way, so that there is hope. But then they go out again and they're hiding in the darkness outside of the city. And sometimes that's what we have to do. Sometimes we have to hide ourselves from the desires that are trying to destroy us. Alcoholics don't go into bars, not if they're trying to stay sober. Extreme example, but we have to do the same things. But while you're there in the darkness, 
there is still light available to us. In 1, 105 and 106 RAV, 4, 5B and 6 OPV, it says, I, Nephi, crept into the city and went forth towards the house of Laban, and I was led by the Spirit, not knowing beforehand the things which I should do. That's the light in the darkness. He didn't know what was going to happen next. He didn't know where to go, but he was seeking the mysteries of God. And that's really not even subtle about this. I mean, he's going after the plates of brass. He's going after the scriptures, right? He's following the spirit to those plates of brass that contain the writings of the prophets. And here's where things get really controversial. He gets up to Laban's house near to it. And he sees a man fall into the earth drunk with wine. So he checks on him. Who is this? It's Laban. And he pulls out Laban's sword. And this sword sounds more like a decorative piece than something you're actually going to use in battle. In 1109 RAV and 49 OPV, it says that the hilt was a pure gold and the workmanship is exceedingly fine and the blade was precious steel. So this thing's heavy and probably used more to show off who he is than to protect himself. But apparently it's pretty sharp because Nephi cuts off his head. But there's a battle there. Inside Nephi, inside that righteous desire inside of us, before it happens. The Spirit tells Nephi in 1, 110 RAV, 410A in the OPV, that he should kill Laban. And he says, no, I'm, I'm not going to do this. But inside of us, remember, this is our battle, not Nephi's. Inside of us, that Laban that we have is keeping the scriptures, keeping the plates of brass that the Lord sent Nephi, the Nephi inside of us, to go and get so that he could know the mysteries of God. We have to kill that wicked desire. Laban is not a real person here. We're looking at this Kabbalistically. When you read the scriptures and it says that a nation is destroyed or that the flood comes and washes the earth clean, that's God washing away the wicked desires inside of us. This is an older, wicked desire that has to go. But we don't want it to. We shrink. Even the Nephi inside of us shrinks and says, I, I can't do this. But the Spirit reminds us that Yavah delivered Laban to our hands to be destroyed. And now we start making excuses. And 112B, RAV, 411, OPV, he lists these excuses. Laban sought to take away his life. Laban wouldn't hearken to the commandments of God. And Laban took away their property. Those are good rationalizations. The Laban inside of us, this wicked desire, is trying to destroy our desire to know the mysteries of God. Why? Because that Laban inside of us won't hearken to the commandments of Yubah. The least relevant here is that he took away the property. Because that property was gone anyway. So you can tell that these are just human rationalizations. But at the end of the day, the real reason that we have to slay the Laban inside of us comes in 113 REV 412 OPV. Slay him, for Yavah hath delivered him into thy hands. You don't need to make excuses to stop doing bad things. 
you just slay that wicked desire that's inside of you. And the spirit continues in the next verse and says, Behold, the Lord slayeth the wicked to bring forth his righteous purposes. It is better that one man, or here we'd say one desire, should perish that a nation or all of our desires should dwindle and perish in unbelief. Now Nephi remembers what the Lord, what Yavah, told him in the wilderness, that inasmuch as your seed, inasmuch as your future desires shall keep the commandments of God, they will prosper. And how can they prosper if they don't have the commandments, if they don't have the law, they don't have the Torah? And that Torah is written upon those plates of brass. This young, new, large in stature desire that is Nephi has been raised up and sent to slay that wicked desire to obtain the plates of brass. So Nephi slays him. He kills him by cutting off his head with his own sword. Then he puts his clothes on. He puts on his armor, and he basically dresses up to look like Laban. And then he goes to the treasury of Laban. And there he finds a servant who has the keys to the treasury. Now this is deception. He pretends to be Laban, he uses Laban's voice, and seeing this man before him, dressed like Laban with all of his precious things, he starts talking to him as if he's Laban. And that's what happens when the Nephi inside of us slays Laban, when a righteous desire slays a wicked desire. It takes their place. Laban here, in my mind, represents holding on to the scriptures, but not doing anything with them. Enjoying having the status of someone or something, but not actually following the Lord. But now Nephi is here. Nephi wants to take those plates into the wilderness, into the unknown, and use them to understand the mysteries of God. Because that's what they were intended for, right? They weren't meant to be kept locked up. In a sense, Nephi is Moses here, letting Israel go. Because those scriptures have to be in our hands for us to know the mysteries of God. And now the servant of Laban obviously isn't very bright because Nephi says, let's take these plates of brass to my elder brethren who are outside the walls of Jerusalem. And that's 127 RAV 424 OPV. And he says, hey, why don't you come with me? Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't think that was very bright. The servant believes that Nephi is speaking of the brethren of the church is how it's written here. And so he follows him. And that is symbolic of the fact that when our our Nephi slays Laban, he not only gets the scriptures, but there's going to be other subservient desires that will still follow the core desire, which is now Nephi. Now, once they get outside, then sees Nephi's brothers and says, oh, no, I got to get out of here. I got to get back in the city. These guys are thieves. But Nephi is a strong desire. So he grabs a hold of the servant. And he ensures that this servant isn't going to flee. And then he makes a promise to him in the name of Yuvah that he would not kill him if he would just listen to what they were going to say. He gives him an oath and he offers him, you'll be a free man instead of a servant if you come with us into the wilderness, into the unknown. And he says, surely the Lord has commanded us to do this thing. And shall we not be diligent in keeping the commandments of the Lord? That's 138RAV, 434AOPV. Now, this servant's name is Zoram, and it's kind of questionable as to how much freedom he really thinks he has, because later on in the Book of Mormon, we find that the descendants of Zoram say that 
Nephi basically is kidnapping him here. But he does make an oath. This desire that the servant of Laban is now a free desire going into the wilderness with Nephi. And so now, with the plates of brass in hand, they're able to return to the tent of their father. And the story doesn't really end there. Yes, chapter 4 in the OPV ends there. But the story really continues to probably one of the most important parts of all of this. And so it's going to be included in this portion of the podcast, even if we revisit it next time. In 1 Nephi 1.146 RAV 5.1 OPV, they get back to the wilderness and Lehi, that Lehi inside of us, sees that his sons, the good desires and the bad desires, were able to accomplish the task and he's ecstatic. Now remember that Lehi, being a male, represents the desire to bestow. Sariah, their mother, being feminine, being a female, represents the will to receive. But she wasn't receiving when they left. She saw it as a loss. She is truly mourned because of them. She believes that they died in the wilderness. She didn't think they were coming back. It says that she had complained against their father telling Lehi that he was a visionary man in a bad way, basically saying, you're crazy. She says in 1.147 RAV, 5.2B OPV, Behold, you have led us forth from the land of our inheritance, and my sons are no more, and we shall perish in the wilderness. So she's been complaining this whole time. But Lehi tried to bestow upon her something she didn't want to receive, hope. And he said to her in 149 and 50, RAV, 5, 4, and 5, OPV, I know I'm a visionary man, because if I hadn't seen these visions from God, I would not have known the goodness of God, and I would have stayed in Jerusalem and perished there with my brethren. But we have obtained a land of promise, which we shall go to. He says, I, but I'm going to say we here. And he tries to tell her, and he knows that Yavah will deliver their sons out of the hands of Laban and bring them back down again to the wilderness, back into the unknown. But she wasn't comforted until she saw them, until she received her sons, those desires, good and bad, back. There is a Sariah inside of us. There is that anxiety, that anticipation of what's going to happen as these young desires are battling it out with this old wicked desire. But when everything comes to fruition. When Laban is destroyed and the plates of brass are brought back to the tent of Lehi, the anxiety is gone and our testimonies are built. She bears her testimony in 1, 154 and 55 RAV 58 OPV. She says, now I know of a surety that the Lord has commanded my husband to flee into the wilderness. Yea, and I also know of a surety that Yavah has protected my sons and has delivered them out of the hands of Laban and gave them power whereby they could accomplish this thing which Yavah hath commanded them. She feared the unknown. Remember, she's in the wilderness. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She's literally in the unknown. That's what the wilderness represents here in this part of the story. They don't know where they're going yet, but now they can rejoice. Now they can offer burnt offerings to Yavah and give thanks to the Elohim of Israel. And Lehi can take those plates of brass 
and search them and learn, share that gospel with his family. And that's important for us because we can't just rely on, on the spirit to tell us everything. And we can't just rely on the scriptures to tell us everything. The scriptures were written by people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. And the spirit is being interpreted by human beings who are flawed. The scriptures say very clearly that we are given things by two or three witnesses. We need to be putting together the Holy Spirit and the scriptures so that we can get the true word of the Lord for ourselves. We'll get into that more next time. But for now, I'd like to ask you two questions. The first question is, when we're looking at all the things that these desires, these four sons had to go through to slay Laban, how much are we relying on the Nephi inside of us? Or are we following the worldly path of Laman and Lemuel? Do we first try to reason with our wicked desires? Do we try to bribe or pay off our wicked desires with worldly things? At what point do we just send Nephi in to slay the wicked desires inside of us? Because the more wicked desires that are slain and the more righteous desires that are born, the more light, the more goodness we present to the world as we are better prepared and better able to be that light upon the hill, that light of Christ. I hope that this podcast today has helped you do a couple of things here. One, I hope it helps you to see how to read the scriptures Kabbalistically and take these stories inward, inside of ourselves. This isn't the story of Laman or Lemuel or Nephi or Sam or Sariah or Laban or Lehi or Zoram. This is our story. And my second question for you is, how do we own that story? How do we use these stories in the scriptures to understand ourselves and our desires better so that we can conquer wickedness and divide the light from the darkness? I hope I've given you something to think about today. The last thing I'd like to share with you is this podcast isn't free. And I would like to ask once again that if you are financially able to please help us out by donating to our Patreon account. But if you can't do that, then I just want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. I really genuinely hope that it helps you grow closer to Christ because that's the real goal here. And if it has, and if it's touched you in any way, then I would ask that you would please share this podcast with others on social media or any other way you feel is appropriate. I do believe that it doesn't matter what Latter-day Saint denomination we belong to. Mormon Kabbalah is a perspective that can unite all of us. So again, thank you for listening. And until next time, Shalom and God bless.